Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. Hey, if we haven't had the opportunity to meet yet, um, my name is JJ, and alongside my wife Liz, we have the honor, privilege, joy um, of leading a journey church as, as pastors. And it really is the joy of our life, really is the privilege of our life. We, um, if we're lucky, we'll get to do this uh, for absolutely forever until Jesus comes back, and, and we're, we're pumped about it. And I'm really excited about this series that we're ending into, uh, Legacy. And I would even say that it's more than a series, it's actually a season. And I think that's important to distinguish because there's probably a misunderstanding to what it is pastors do. Um, you know, I, I love to, uh, to preach and, and to inspire, but um, my main role is not inspiration. Inspiration is a part of my job, um, but you can find that at a Tony Robbins event. You know, you can find that, you know, anywhere. Uh, good, positive, you know, speaking. And uh, the reason why my job can't just be inspiration, because how many people know that inspiration fades? Inspiration will last for a moment and then it will fade away. And I've realized that the word pastor actually comes from the, from the original Greek word and Hebrew word, shepherd. And, and a shepherd was someone who helped the sheep get somewhere. And so my job is not so much inspiration as it is destination. And my job is really to walk alongside you and guide you through life and take you to the place that I believe God has for you. And that is really what this series is going to be about. And so I just want to kind of preempt that. If you've gone to our church for any amount of time, you know that I love to run around. I love to shout. I love to say things that rhyme. And I love it when you get up on your feet and shout me down and throw stuff at me. It's all very exciting. Um, but for the next four to six weeks, uh, it's going to be just a little different. I mean, that's a part of me, but it's going to be a little different because I don't just want to get you to say hallelujah. I actually want to take you somewhere. I want to get you where I believe God is taking you. And in order to do that, we're going to need some interaction. And I'm not talking about amen, preach that preacher, say it again. I'm talking about um, this series is really going to, this season is really going to come to fruition. Not on what happens on Sunday, but more than any other series we'll preach it's going to be what happens between Monday and Saturday. And so I'm excited. I think that's one of the reasons why I'm pumped. So let me show you a little bit about where we're going. First thing you need to know is Legacy Sunday, December 9th. Somebody say December 9th. Yeah, and, and you need to know that there is no pressure. We are not a church that, that puts pr I'm not going to show you like a kid that's like dying and then make you give money like right now. Because I just don't think giving ought to be something that ought to be manipulative. The Bible said that you ought to give from a cheerful heart, not out of compulsion or obligation. And so what we're going to do is we're going to give you some time. We're going to give you four weeks to pray about this. And you heard me say it on the screen, so I won't rehash it. But what we're giving to, we're going to be real intentional, five legacy lanes. We're giving to local missions, national missions, global missions. You heard about all that. Next week, you'll hear about the next generation, what we're doing for young adults and teenagers. And then the week after that, you'll hear about expansion. And, uh, and, and so I'm not going to spoil those surprises, but I do want you to know that we don't need this offering because this offering isn't for us. One of the things I'm most excited about Legacy Sunday is that everything that we raise, we're actually going to give away. And that's because we have an amazing, generous church who tithes and offerings. We, we pay our bills. We keep the lights on with what, we, with what you guys give on a regular basis. This offering, we're going to give it away to those uh, who need it. And so I'm, I'm really excited about that. In addition to Legacy Sunday, you ought to know that this isn't something that just happens. Um, it is an offering that happens once a year. But there's a team of people who actually have been intentional with their giving since February. We call them the Legacy Team. If you're in the house and you're part of the Legacy Team, would you just let us know that you're here this morning. Make some noise, Legacy Team. Yes, okay, great. There's not a lot of them, but they're passionate. 
Uh, and uh, our legacy team just got started this year. It's a group of business people. And what is a business person? You need to know a business person is not necessarily just an entrepreneur. A business person is anybody who's not in ministry full time. You know how when somebody uh, gets all up in your business, that's how you know you're a business person, okay? Um, because people are getting up in your business. And uh, you, you are an entrepreneur at heart. Um, this is just a, a group of people who get together and want to be super intentional. They approach us wanting to be super intentional with their generosity to make a difference. They gather every once in a while. And we're going to actually have a legacy lunch for anybody who's interested in being a part of that team. It's a great place to also network with other business people in the city. And uh, if you want more information on that, you can sign up at the Blue Tent. It's going to be on December 9th, right after the worship experience. The other thing that we're going to be doing is acts of kindness. I'm not going to let you know what that is until... 80% through with the sermon today because I do want to reveal some things about that that I'm super excited about. And finally, how many people love Christmas? How many people have already set up your tree? Stop it. you got to honor Thanksgiving, okay? It happens. It's the rule. After Thanksgiving, then you put up your tree. That's true. If you're working, <laughs> Guess you set it up whenever you want. I remember growing up, we didn't take down our Christmas decorations till Valentine's. We just kept using it for other holidays, you know. We just hung hearts up on it. And we were like, what's that? My friends will come over. That's our Valentine's tree. Looks a lot like your Christmas tree. It's not. It's a Valentine's tree. And uh, take it down. And, um, <laughs> and, hey, December 23rd, I believe, we have Christmas at Journey, which I'm stoked about. We have a ton of after Easter Sunday, it's our highest attended Sunday on our worship experience we'll have here at Journey Church. And the reason why I'm letting you know now, because I want you to start praying about who you're going to invite and who you're going to bring. Most people might not come to church on a regular Sunday, but when they know it's Christmas and they know there'll be hot chocolate and they know they're going to sing. Now, we don't do any like plays or anything like that. So if you're looking for that, there's other churches that do that. We're not going to bring out donkeys and uh, put babies in hay. It's just not going to do that. It's not healthy, if you ask me. Um, so... But we do have a great time, and, uh, and I would love for you to be a part of it. Well, I'm stoked to preach. i got to get right into the message because we don't have a lot of time. If you're not new to our church, you know that I usually take five or ten minutes to build up the sermon. But we're running up against the clock today because I have so much I want to share with you. Then I'm going to go directly into the title of today's talk. And tonight, the title of today's talk, the first sermon of this series, is called Life Legacy And Legos. Life, legacy, and Legos. Gotta be really careful because these are my boys. They will kill me. Life, legacy, and Legos. Any Lego fans in the house? Yeah, if you're a Lego fan, all that tells me is you don't have kids. Okay? Because um, these junks are expensive. Uh, and, uh, and so I've got so many Legos in my house. I've got so many Legos in my house. We needed Legos to put the Legos in. That's how many Legos I've got in my house. And uh, if you come to my house, you'll see them. We actually have sets that the boys have built kind of on display as a show of their work slash really my work. And I uh, put it up there. And, uh, and it's cool, man. And on the bottom of the Lego set, you might find some Lego sets that are not completely made. Like here's this one. This is a... Uh, I believe it's a bat plane. I don't know what you call it. Bat copter, uh, uh, bat plane. Um, it's definitely not a bat mobile. Let me know the real name of this. Bat plane. Bat bat mobile plane. <laughs> that can't be right. Um, 
It's the bat plane, we'll just say, and it's not built. And the reason why it's not built is because uh, we're missing a piece. And it's crazy how a Lego, just one piece, can kind of... And the reason why we're missing a piece is because we recently got a new member of our family. We just joined the family. Her name's Honey. And uh, yes, no, don't, uh, that's a demon, okay, in that... It's a demon in fur right there, okay? She looks cute. She's a disaster. A disaster. Look at you, look at how cute. You know what you did. The problem with Honey is she likes Legos more than Justice and Zane. And so she will make her way into their Lego set when they're not looking and the boys can be a little careless. And then she will chew on the pieces or swallow the pieces. Now, yes, we should all be better dog owners. Okay, stop judging me. You know your dog has done it too. Looking at me like that. And I can't almost do it with her anymore. You know, we, 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 got, we got dog trainers. We try, she just will not stop. The, she actually brings the Legos to me like she's doing something good. She'll get the Lego, she'll look at me, she'll go, ah, ah. With the Lego in her mouth, I'm like, you know it's wrong. And she's like, yeah, but I'm cute and there's nothing you can do about it. Not too cute to hit. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Um, and we've been looking, man. We've been looking for one piece specifically to get this thing off the ground, and we haven't been able to find it. Uh, we've uh, looked under the couches. We've looked behind the curtains. We thought, okay, if she did eat it, then it would be in her you-know-what. So we went out to the garden. We even kind of went through to see if we could find it. The best we can tell, the Lego piece has molecularly bonded with her DNA or something. There's no evidence of this piece. And it can be frustrating because we're stuck at a point in our construction where it doesn't matter how hard we work. We're stuck at a point in our construction where it doesn't matter how smart we are. We're stuck at a point in our construction where it doesn't matter how many people we get together. We can't continue because we're missing a piece. And I share that story to segue into the first question about life and legacy that I've learned from Legos that I want to share with you today is, have you ever felt like in life you're missing a piece? Like you put together all the stuff that people told you you needed. So like you put together the degree and you connected it to the job. And then you connected the family and it took a bit, but then you finally found that spouse and you connected to that spouse. And then you messed up and connected some kids. And uh, some of you have connected more than, uh, than you probably ought to have. And <laughs> you got it and, and it's cool. And hey, you've even connected Jesus. And this is where it gets real. because And I'm going to need all my Christian folk to not pretend like we have life. All day. We've even connected. And after we've got work, family, kids, Jesus, we still feel. Like something's missing. If that's you, please, so I know that I'm not preaching to nobody, wave your hand at me if you've experienced that before. Me too. I don't want to share that with you today because the Bible talks about that. You know, there are actually missing pieces to our life. God's plan for you and for me is in four pieces, and I want to share those with you today. How many people, by the way, have ever heard that? Like somebody's come up to you and said, God's got a plan for your life. You heard that before? How many people wish you could have asked a follow-up question? Like, that's cool, and that plan is, because <laughs> I hear that, but that's not really helpful. And uh, what I want to do today is I want to kind of undo the mystique, and I want to let you know the four pieces of God's plan for your life. If you're taking notes, you want to write this down. We can't dive into them too much, but if you come to Next Steps today at 1245 to follow the signs, we do dive into them there because they're so important. But I will give them basically to you. The first thing God wants for you is to know him. That's the first piece of the puzzle. He wants you to get in a relationship with him. And I don't just mean know about him. I think there are a lot of people here, whether you believe in God or not, you have a lot of facts about God. I'm not talking about facts. I'm talking about relationship. I'm not talking about know about. I'm talking know him. You know what I'm saying? Like one of my favorite Christmas movies we watch it every year is Elf with Will Ferrell. And there was that scene when he was at Gimbel's and the manager of Gimbel's was like, next Sunday, Santa's coming to town. And what did Will Ferrell scream at the top of his lungs? 
was terrible. He screams, Santa! I know him. I watch it a lot. And uh, I just want people to get that excited when I preach about God and I talk about Jesus. You tap your neighbor and go, Jesus, I know him. We've been through the valleys. We've been through the mountaintops. We've been through the good times. We've been through the, I know him and he knows me. I don't just have facts about him. I've got a relationship with him. God wants that for you. The second thing he wants for you, listen, is to be set free. He wants you to find freedom. Now that's super important because you need to know that you can be saved and not set free. That's really helpful for somebody who just became a Christian, still struggling with your sin, and you're asking yourself, did I really get saved? Oh, yeah, you did. But you can be saved and not set free. I know that just freed somebody right there to know that one prayer isn't going to change your entire life. There's a process that God has to undo some things in our life. And he wants to do that from us. He doesn't want to leave us there. He wants us to know him. He also wants us to break free from some of the habits, from the depression, the negative thinking, some of those things that aren't helpful that we bring into our lives and our homes. He wants to free us from that. The third thing he wants you to do is to discover purpose, to realize that you are on this reason, on this earth for a reason. And the last thing he wants you to do is make a difference. Somebody say make a difference. And that's really what I want to camp out on today because I believe, and it's super hard preaching at Journey Church, by the way. Um, not because you guys aren't great, not because you guys aren't responsive, just because of the sheer diversity. Like there's a 70-year-old sitting in front of a 17-year-old. You know, there's somebody who went to college sitting next to somebody who doesn't even have a GED. You know, there's somebody who's got, you know, money put away in a 401K and sitting next to a person who's just got $4 um, in their bank account. And it's so diverse because of the different needs that we have in the different seasons. But I'm excited to preach about this message because I'm preaching to one thing that is absolutely universal. And this is the absolutely universal thing, no matter who you are, no matter what part of the world you come from. And it is the need to make a difference. Because I know that I am speaking not just to a, a, a room full of men and women, but I am speaking to a room full of builders. I believe it. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm a builder. I'm a builder. Bob the builder. I'm a builder. I'm a builder. You're a builder. We're a builder. He's a builder. She's a builder. I know this about us for a couple of reasons. First, I know that because the Bible tells us. If you go to Genesis, you go early in the Bible, Genesis chapter 11, we see people building cities and towers. You go to chapter 7, you see people building boats or a boat, but a big one. They built a big boat. You go to chapter 4, people are building altars. You go to chapter 3, and they're building outfits. That was Adam and Eve creating the, you know, the outfit with the fig tree. Sure, not the greatest context, but they were builders nonetheless. Builders, and you know why they were building in chapter 3 and chapter 4 and chapter 7 and chapter 11? Because we were made after the image of God who in chapter 1 built the universe. Who in chapter 1 built the stars. Who in chapter 1 built the mountains, built the ocean, built the fields. He built it all and we have the DNA of our father in our bones. We are builders because our dad's a builder. We're carrying on the family trade. I'll give you more evidence. You go into any daycare or nursery in the country, it doesn't matter, or in the world, and you will find some version of this toy, blocks. Whether they're Legos or made of plastic or wooden, right? Every nursery in the world blocks. And isn't that crazy? Can we just take a second to think about that? That, that before they, they can't walk, they can't talk, they, they, they can't run, but they can build. Already. They can build. You give a three-year-old three blocks, he's going to put them on top of each other. He's the builder, and the building doesn't stop there. As they get older, they exchange the bricks uh, uh, for bed sheets and broomsticks. Come on, where are my builders at? You were younger, you know what I'm talking about? You don't build bricks anymore, you build forts. Yeah, if you're a, if you're a girl, maybe you built a castle, you know, and you got in your castle. Or, and if you got a real imagination, you build whole universes. 
with like rules and stuff like that. Like, that's my kid. They build like whole universes. But you can so tell they grew up in church. It's like they mixed like Star Wars with like David. <laughs> you can so tell they grew up in church. Past this kid. They got Darth Vader and Goliath. <laughs> Fighting Luke Skywalker and the Apostle Paul. That's how they do it. Create whole universes. We're, we're builders, man. We just, we love to create things. We love to make things. But something happens as we grow up. We find out to our dismay that, 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 that people who are builders, listen, have been born into a world that is already built. What do we do then? When we're born into a world where the social hierarchy has already been built. I'm not just talking about bridges and buildings here. We, we walk in, in, into a world where the, where the path to success has already been defined. Where the racial, economic, and political dividing lines have already been drawn. When what is possible and impossible has already been established and scientifically proven. And at that moment, something inside our mind and in our heart switches. There's nothing left to build. So we go from building, let's understand this, to maintaining. Just We go from making a difference to just making it. And the inner creator, the inner builder is chewed up. That piece has been chewed up by the status quo. And it's not just me telling you this, by the way. Psychologists have said the same thing. Uh, there was a guy in 1940s, his name was Abraham Maslow, and he was talking about what we need in life. And he found out that the greatest need was for us to make a difference. Here's how he did it. He created a hierarchy. And he said that at the bottom, we all need to eat, and we all need to breathe, and we all need water. And that's what he said. We get jobs. Why? At the very base level, we get jobs to do what? Got to eat, got to drink, we got we to provide for ourselves. We gotta, but that's not enough. Once we get that money, then we start realizing, hey, this is cool, but I'm going to start to need, I'm going to need to save some of this money. I'm going to have to get a down payment for a house because I don't just have physiological needs. I also need to feel safe. So I'm going to buy a house or I'm going to save up money. I'm going to save for retirement. But then when we have a house and we have money, we realize, hey, we need somebody to share it with. So we invite people into our lives. We get married. We have kids because we have relational needs. And then after that, we realize, hey, well, it, what's the point in having everything if people don't know we have everything, if people don't pat us on the back? And then the fourth highest level need there is esteem, which if you want to just understand that, just thank Facebook. Right? Facebook, we make fun of it, and as pastors, we kind of bash it a lot. But you know why it's so successful? Because it meets a legitimate need in the human being, the need to be recognized, the need to be validated, the need to be seen. But at the top of this pyramid, he introduces a term called self actualization. And I'm going to go ahead and give you the academic definition of self-actualization. The psychological process aimed at maximizing the use of a person's abilities and resources. Are you catching that? In the first four, I'm attaining things. Now I've got all these abilities and all these resources, but on the fifth need, on the highest need, once we've attained so much, we're forced to ask the question, what will I build now with everything that I have? I'm going to go and simplify it for you. This is another way you could look at that pyramid. The first one is saying, I need. And then Maslow is saying, and after you need, you realize that you need. Everybody say more. And then after you realize that you need more and you get it, you realize that you need. And then after you get more and you realize that you have more, you get to the fourth one and you realize that you need even. But when you get to the top, when you get more and you get more and you get more and you get more, you ultimately must face this question. What is the more for? What's the more for? That's why I brought out this, uh, 
this ladder here, because as, as long as I've, you know, been alive and I've seen ladders, ladders to me have always been a symbol of success, you know. That's why they say things like, are you going to climb the corporate, corporate ladder, right? Yeah. And so I want you to just imagine that every rung on this ladder is like an achievement, like a success. You know what I'm saying? Like, like boom, you graduated high school and then, ooh, you graduated college and, ooh, now you got your graduate degree and, ooh, you got in that relationship and, ooh, you got in that relationship and then, and then ooh, you, you found your career and, oh, you got promoted and you keep climbing the ladder and you keep climbing the ladder. But I want to put the devil out right now and I'm going to not, not climb any higher than this because I'm scared. But I'm going to... I'm going to put the devil out right now because there is a secret that the devil's been keeping from you that he doesn't want you to know. Because if you know this, you'll, you'll stop playing his little rat race game, you see. The, the more he gets you to believe this, the more you'll be driven and to, to, do, do, do things, to do things his way. But the devil doesn't want you to know, listen, this is super important, that once you get to the top, there's nothing waiting for you at the top. I, 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 wish you, I wish you would really understand that and really, and really learn that because we spend so much to get here. You know how much you gave up to climb this ladder? You know the relationships you had to throw away? You know the money you spent, the hours of school you used to climb this ladder only to find out that there's nothing here for you? Now, unfortunately, the church has kind of went 180 with this. We realize that, that the ladder of success is not uh, to be climbed in and of itself. And so what we've done now is a lot of the times in the church we've demonized success. And we've demonized riches. And we say, why get money? Why be rich? Why be successful? Why get a million followers on Instagram? That's so vain. And why you want to start your own business? That's, it's not all about you. And, and that's, but you know what? There's nothing wrong with having a ladder. Ladders are fine. The problem is when we just have a ladder. You know when this ladder becomes useful? You know when this ladder gets value? If I take this ladder. See? And if the projector gets stuck and I can now climb this ladder... And now I can, and now I can unloose this the screen. Or if that light bulb, if this ladder was a little taller, if that light bulb was loose, I could climb up there, and I can, I can loosen that ladder. And all of a sudden, climbing a ladder becomes worth it. All of a sudden, everything I have to give to get to the top becomes worth it because of what I can accomplish and what I'm doing. Please try and understand this principle because it will change your life once you get it. The value of a ladder is not found at its peak. The value of a ladder is found in its purpose. It's great to have a business. It's great to be rich. Become all those things. The only thing I'm asking before you go on that adventure is what are you doing it for? What are you expecting to be at the top when you get there? Because if you're just trying to live life to, because you know a lot of people say, oh, well, you know why I like to climb the ladder? I like to climb the ladder because as soon as I get here, I'm higher than everybody else. I'm looking down on everybody. What you driving? A Honda? <laughs> Sorry. Please make way for my Maybach. Excuse me. That's so beautiful. What are you wearing right now? This is what I got. Goodwill. It's <laughs> really what I'm wearing right now. <laughs> we climb the ladder and we think this is value enough because now we get to be better than the people. The only problem is this is why I brought out two ladders. The moment you climb your ladder, you realize somebody's even higher than you. And the very comparison that brought you self-worth becomes the very comparison that destroys your self-worth. You can't, you can't, 
It's about purpose. It's about what you accomplish. I want to encourage you to pursue wealth, pursue the business. But you got to ask yourself, what are you here for? You got more? Great. But what's it for? Purpose is where we find our wealth. To be the maker, to be the builder, to do it with what? Which is another reason why I brought two ladders. Because a lot of people look at a ladder like this and realize that they really have a ladder like this. Now, the funny thing is when we're 18, we all think this is our ladder. Right? I'm like, I'm not trying to put anybody out. But I remember when I was really young, I was like, I have a tall ladder. I've got a lot of potential. You know, I'm, I'm going to change the world. My ladder. And then, and then when we hit 30. <laughs> My ladder's not as tall as I thought it was. And, and, and then we start to get mad at God. Or we start to get mad at, at ourselves. How come I wasn't born with a rich daddy? How come I wasn't born white? How come I wasn't born with an with a, with a, with a education? You know, my, my family's got three degrees. Nobody in my family's went to college. God gave me a short ladder. That's not fair. Now I'll never achieve my purpose. Whoa, 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 whoa. You know, this ladder stays here at the church because I don't need it at my house. Because there's nothing in my house that this ladder can do. I got this ladder in my garage. You know why I got it from my garage? Because if a light bulb breaks in my garage, that ladder's too tall. It won't fit. I need this ladder to reach spaces that that ladder can't reach. Whew. You thought you were handicapped. You were created intentionally. You, stop being mad at everybody else who started off with more than you. There's a reason why you started with what you started. It was because God needed you to get places that he can't send these people. I say it this way to my staff. Listen to me. Platform comes in different sizes, but purpose comes in one. Great. Great. People look at me, oh, man, JJ, you're changing Central Florida. You got a great church. They say it to me because I got the microphone. But I'm thanking God for the nursery workers. I'm thanking God for all those people in the, in the greeters ministry and, and out there in the team in the parking lot and letting people in and all the people who are making this microphone work. We all got a piece to play. We all got a part to play in the purpose of God. We don't got to be as tall as anybody else or have as many gifts as anybody else or as much money. We just do with best with what God's given us and we can change the world ourselves. Amen? Something else I need you to know about these ladders is that this ladder does not have value in and of itself. If I put a ladder here, all, all, all it's good for is, is looking at. But you know when this ladder has value? When I climb it with a light bulb. It has value when I climb it with a paint can and a paintbrush. What I'm trying to tell you is in order for the ladder to have value, it requires other pieces. True purpose cannot be found in and of yourself and for yourself. True purpose is found through you and for others. True purpose, true purpose is what happens through you. That's why you feel good when you drop off money in the Salvation Army red thing. That's why you feel good when you give to your alma mater. That's why you feel good when you go serve at a soup kitchen because there's purpose flowing through you and purpose feels good. But purpose is only found in other people. That's why I'm going to give you a little business one-on-one here. They tell you that before you can start a business and hope to establish a profit, you need to establish a mission statement. Because the mission statement tells you why your business exists in the first place. What is it doing for other people? Because if your business exists for itself, it will collapse. In order for your business to be successful, you have to give it a purpose. And the purpose has to live in the context of others. Of others. And there are a ton of businesses you can see that and, and you will see that principle to be true. It exists in others. And so here's my next question. Not just what are you building, but are you, are you, are you, because that's purpose, but 
Are you building? I love that we're all investing in others. Maybe some of us aren't, some of us are, but for the most part, in some aspect of our life, we're giving to some type of a charity. We're being generous in some way. Now the question is, we got to be careful about what it is we're investing in. Because, you know, I talked to my son, Zane, and Justice, and, and uh, Zane, Justice is the builder. Everything that's built in the house, Justice built. Everything that's destroyed in the house, Zane destroyed it. Zane is, is not a builder. Zane is a destroyer. Uh, he is Zane the destroyer. That's his nickname uh, we have here. And he just loves to take things apart. He gave me such a deep answer one time, though, because in his own way, he is a creator. He took apart one of Justice's Batmobiles and took more pieces. And I'm like, Zane, what did you do? That took forever to build. You destroyed it. He's like, I didn't destroy it. I created something different. <laughs> I'm like, boy, that'll preach. Pretend like when you hear it the next time, because I'm going to use that story, like it's the first time you heard it, okay? Isn't that funny how sometimes God will be the one who comes and takes apart the life that you build to build the life that he wants to build? And it will feel like destruction, but it's actually creation. We won't even get in that, but that's a whole other message. <laughs> he said, I'm creating something new. I was like, well, clean it up, okay? I don't want to hear that. Clean it up. <laughs> And, uh, and, and Liz and I are now at the point where we just can't buy them anything else because we know that Zane's going to take it apart. And so here's what we say. We go, guys, we're not going to invest in something that doesn't last. Also, if you ever play with a, a Lego, you know one drop falls apart. So many of us have Lego lives, you know. It takes forever to put together but a second to come apart because we're investing in things that do not last. Let me ask you the question. I appreciate that you found a purpose, but will your purpose last Will it last? Because I have found that there are only two things that last. And I'm going to share a scripture with you really quickly. It is in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 through 15. If any man builds on this foundation, Paul is saying, Jesus Christ using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day when Jesus Christ returns will bring it to light. It will be revealed with the fire. And the fire will test the quality of each man's work. And listen, if what he has built survives... If it lasts, he will receive his reward. But if it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but. Everybody say saved. Say, say the but part. Saved. 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 Every time I grab the mic, 48 out of 52 Sundays, I will tell you that we are sinners, but we're saved. Every time I grab this mic, I will tell you, hey, maybe in this house, maybe there's some people who have experienced a divorce. That's okay. We've been divorced, but we're saved. There's forgiveness. There's restoration. Hey, um, you know, we don't got a lot of money, but we're saved. We got depression, but we're saved. And, and I just need four Sundays. I'm going to summarize what I'm going to talk to you about these next four Sundays, okay? Listen, I just need four Sundays to tell you this, that there is a but on the other side of saving. When we get to heaven, there are two judgments. Now, I'm getting into revelations and I'm getting theological, but a part of my job is to take you somewhere, so bear with me. When we get into revelations, there are two judgments. One is the great white throne judgment. And that judgment, there's only one question on that test. And I'm going to give you the answer right now. You guys want the, want the answer? Here's the, just write, you want the answers? It's going to help you, okay? Here's the answer to that test. What have you done with Jesus? I love that. Because I get in, not through my perfection, I get in not through my own deeds or doing. I get in just by being in relationship with Christ. That's worth giving God some praise right there. That the answer to that test isn't how much I've given away, how much money I've invested, uh, how many nice things that I do, how many homeless people that I feed. There's only one answer to that first test. And it is, what have you done with Jesus? But 
there is another question for those of us who are saved. And so our church is for the unchurched, and you don't go to church, this church is for you. But I'm going to take a second to just speak to my church people, my Christian people. There is a judgment for us, and the question is different. The question is not what have you done with Jesus. The question is what have you done with what I've given you? What have you done with what I've given you? In other words, God is saying, you found Jesus, you found the foundation, but then what did you build on that foundation? And I want to tell you there's only two things worth giving your life to. Oh, please catch this. I know, like I said, there's, I could be running around and shouting, but I just need you to catch this truth. There are only two things worth investing in. I believe this with all of my heart. The kingdom of God, because it lasts forever, and the eternity of people, because it lasts forever. Now, you might say, well, people don't live forever. Oh, yes, they do. That is not a question. The only question is, where will they live? Because there is a heaven and there is a hell. We are eternal beings made partly from God. And so that part of us needs to live forever. Those are the only two things worth investing in. The kingdom of God and the eternity of people. And I want to teach you really quickly three ways that you can do that. Three ways that you can invest. And we'll wrap it up. Three ways that you can do. First thing is found in Psalms 112, verse 5 through 6. It goes like this. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. Did you catch that? They said the Legos will never come apart. And they will be remembered forever. Their legacy will last. Their work will last. How? Through generosity. If you're taking notes, write down give. Give. Giving is how we last. And I'm not just saying money. I'm talking about if you've got two thumbs, give somebody some encouragement as a text message today. Just give. Be generous. You know, I'm here because someone gave. My grandma, a lot of you guys know the story. She had 11 kids. 11 kids. That's a lot of kids, y'all. I asked her one time. I said, Grandma, how come you got 11 kids? She had them all in Puerto Rico. I said, how come you had 11 kids? She told me straight up. She goes, there was no television. I'm like, dang, Grandma. Super freak. Anyway, um... 11 kids, what you might not know, although I do talk about it often, is that her husband, um, my grandfather, who I've never met, was incredibly abusive. A life, a career criminal, came in and out of jail and uh, had attempted murder on my father multiple times. He never liked my father, hated him for whatever reason. And uh, one day, while he was in prison, my grandmother took all 11 kids and ran away and went to the door of her pastor, a man by the name of Barnaby Medina knocked on the church door and said, Pastor Barnaby, our family has nowhere to go. We're running for our lives. You know what that man did? He found a home, put 11 kids and my grandma in that home, paid for food and provided rent, paid the whole month's rent, two months, so that that family could have a place to live. And I want you to remember that name, Barnaby Medina, because his legacy lives on through Journey Church, because if he had not been there, my father wouldn't have been there. If my father wasn't there, I wouldn't have been there. If I wouldn't have been there, this wouldn't be here. There's a legacy through generosity. I'm here because a man you never met gave, and his giving is living on. Here's three practical ways you can give. Hear me out. I would love for you to consider and pray about becoming a percentage giver. At our church, we practice a thing called tithing. We give God 10% of our income. And whatever percent you can, you feel like, I'm not asking you to give what you don't have. I'm asking you to give what you have. Sit down with your wife. Sit down with your mom or dad. Sit down with your kids. Sit down with Bank of America, Wells Fargo. Decide how much money do I need to survive, do my thing, and how much money can I give away? Because I want to give away and plan it, be intentional about it. We already talked about our legacy offering, so I won't hit that again. But I want to talk to you about acts of kindness. In the blue tent, everybody say blue tent. 
I, I, I make you say things I want you to remember, that's why. At the blue tent, there are these free cards. I want you to take a couple. On the front, it says, something extra to show you God loves you. And on the back, it has the Journey logo, and it says, and so do we, journeyoral.com. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take three, four, five of these. The next time you go to Starbucks, the next time you have dinner, if you're going to have lunch right after this, okay, I know that that's what you do, church people, okay? We get fed spiritually, and then we get fed. You know what I'm saying? When you go out, I want you to take two or three of these, okay? When the waitress finishes serving you or the waiter finishes serving you, instead of, instead of tipping 18%, which, listen, if you don't tip 80% at least and you're a Christian, okay, you don't get into heaven, all right? And so you got to at least do 18%. Help somebody out. Stop giving the Lord a bad testimony, okay? All right? That's what I'm saying. Hey, tip 36. Tip 40. And then, and then on the, with the cash, drop the card. You don't got to say a word. Just go and take your card. Holy Spirit's going to start working on that person's life. Is that exciting? I'm going to do this. All right? When you do DoorDash, Uber Eats, don't put the tip in the thing. Just give him the money when he gets there. Which car? Or you could do you give it however you want to do it. I just want us to be generous because generosity changes lives. The second thing you can do to leave a legacy that lasts, listen, first one's give. Second one's serve, serve, serve. Jesus said, if you want to be the greatest, you got to be a servant. If you want to leave a legacy, you got to be a servant. Listen, some of you guys, you just got to church. Rest. Some of you guys are still recovering from your last Christian experience. Rest. I've had people tell me that, hey, I just need a breather. I just need to catch myself, and then I'll get involved. Hey, I'm with you. you got my support. Feel no pressure. But there's another group of people, hey, you've been here a while now. Look at me. It's time. Put me in, coach. It's time to get into the game. We need you. We need you in the parking lot greeting people. We need you up here singing and playing drums and instruments only if you're good. We need you out there doing production with the sound. We need you watching kids. We need your creativity on our social media channels. We need your, your wisdom when it comes to finances on, on our legacy team. We need you. And I'm not saying that to put pressure on you. I'm just saying that to let you know that you're needed. You know people's, people need to know that they're needed that we actually would miss you if you're not here. We would miss you if you're not here. I can't put together this puzzle without pieces. I told you that the missing piece of your life is purpose. The missing piece of this church is you, your purpose. And so if you wanna get on a team, that's the dream team, you can join us in Next Steps today, 1245. We do everything that we can to get you there. We provide childcare, we provide free food. We just wanna say, I teach it, I'd love for you to get involved. The next thing you can do is be a part of Serve Saturday. Surf Saturday, maybe you want to just kind of get your feet wet. Every first Saturday of the month, we're doing outreach in the community. We've got amazing leaders who lead it. We've got a great team. If you want to make a difference out there, you can be a part of Surf Saturday. And here's the last thing I want to tell you. Give, serve, and share Christ. Share Christ. I want to read this scripture, Luke chapter 14, verse 23. Go out into the country and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. House will be full. Full house. I don't know if you're like me, but I don't really like a full house. I probably shouldn't admit this because I'm a pastor, but I struggle a little bit. I'm a little antisocial. Anybody else like me? Just, hey, that's a lot more people than I was hoping. <laughs> Journey Church, all right. A bunch of antisocial people changing the world, baby. <laughs> changing the world with our introverted selves. Listen, I, 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 I'm good sometimes. Just in the living room with football and a sandwich. That's me. But I force myself to be something I'm not because I know what the world needs. And it's amazing when I grab this microphone how I totally transform and God kind of gives me that grace. But here's what I know about God. Unlike you and me, he loves a full house. 
He loves a full house. He doesn't want empty seats. He wants to see every chair full because in his house is hope, mercy, grace, life. I'm going to share a story. I'm going to try to get through without crying. I shared it at the 930, got emotional. I practiced it in my office. I got emotional. Last Sunday, a young woman met me outside of the glass door when I greet people. And she said, with tears in her eyes, she said, I just need you to know this church changed my life. I came from California. And, 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 and she didn't even show me her story. She just cried and she said, I'm home. And I know her story because I saw it on social media. She had a friend, her name was Lindsay, who in the middle of work um, gave her our YouTube channel. And both of them were watching the sermon during work, which I'm like, I hope your boss isn't watching this sermon right now. Um, but they were watching the YouTube channel in the, she starts to cry in the in work while listening to the message. And so I know that. And I'm going, oh, you're Lindsay's friend, right? And she goes, yeah. And I am. And I go, and I go, don't take me. And I had to go find Lindsay. And I said, Lindsay, thank you. Thank you. Because people are finding hope week in and week out. Their lives are being restored. They're, they're being rescued from suicide and depression. Not because of me. Thank you, Journey Church, because you brought them. You invited them. You shared hope. You shared life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing life and hope with people. Thank you. And I'll share this last verse and we're done. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 through 19. Teach those who are rich in this present world. There's another world coming, guys. Not to be proud, not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. This is Timothy written to, this is a pastoral epistle. This is written to pastors. So I'm reading Timothy like he's writing, like Paul's writing to me. This is what Paul is telling pastors. This is why I have to talk to you about this. Command them. Command them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the coming age. So that they may experience this true life. I'll end on this. If you're taking notes, write this down. There is more to life than this life. Bow your head and close your eyes. There is more to life than this life. I want to speak about that first judgment. If you're here in this room today, listen to me. And you've never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You're here and, and, and life has been hard and you want to get a fresh start today. You want to put your trust in the only one who can save you. I want to remind you, there's no amount of money that you can give to get in. There's no amount of good deeds that you can do to get in. This is a simple test. Do you know Jesus? And if you want to get started knowing Jesus this afternoon, then when I say three, I want you to raise your right hand as a signal and a sign. Yes, Jesus, I want to start fresh with you today. I don't know a lot about a lot, but I want to get this journey going. If that's you when I say three, please shoot your right hand up to the sky as a signal. One two, three, right now, go ahead, hey, come on, I see that hand, I see that hand, come on, if that's you and you want to get started right now, come on, I see that hand, I see that hand, amen, go ahead, put your hand down, church, let's pray together, worship team, let's pray together, Father God, Father God, I realize, I realize, you're the only one, worth investing in, so I give you my life, so I give you my life, I give you my life, Take all of me. Take all of me. In Jesus' name we pray. Jesus name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us, amen at journeyorl.com. 
where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option. Or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.